Live from the Zoomtown studios in beautiful Bend, Oregon, it's Truth in Lending, the podcast for mortgage people by mortgage people. On today's show, it's Lending in a College Town with Senior Mortgage Specialist Van Mellick. Randy is tired of talking about gas prices. I'm so tired. And Katie is baking up some patty cake questions for Van. Mm-hmm. Today is June 14, 2022, and now everyone's favorite game show host, Randall and Kathleen. Ooh, pulling out the full name. It's Randall with one L. I was L. just going to call that out. I didn't know yes, that. It is Good with one L. So should we uh, should we just get right to the disclaimer? Let's do it. Good. I like recording it live every single time Love just it. to annoy people. <laughs> Truth and Lending is an informative and industry diverse podcast designed to help mortgage professionals and consumers alike. As mortgage professionals, anytime we are giving our opinion or advice related to the mortgage world, we are doing licensed activity, in which case we must disclose our unique identifiers. Randy Vance, NMLS 1455628, and Synergy One Lending, NMLS 1907235, Equal Housing Lender. Katie Felcher, NMLS 1588514, Loan Depot, NMLS 1744567, Equal Housing Lender. Van Mellick, NMLS 260773, Director's Mortgage, NMLS 3240, Equal Housing Lender. Was there something different about the disclaimer today? No. Okay. Except for licensed is in air carrying quotes. <laughs> That's <know>. right. <laughs> we are licensed. Well, it, it was is nice having a new voice in that. That's fun. It is. Welcome your new full-time host, Van Mellick. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thank you. And now, please welcome to the show everyone's favorite father of lending, Mr. Van Mellick. Oh, welcome, Van. Father of lending. I am not that old. <laughs> it sounds like a Christmas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the lending father. <laughs> welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for, thanks for making the trip over from Corvallis. Yeah, glad to do it. It's a great drive over. Yeah, yeah. Good we're going today. Did you have rain? Rain till the top, and then, as usual, started to clear out. Welcome so. to Central Oregon. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful sunshine. Well, thanks for making the trip over from Corvallis. Uh, before we really get into any of the meat and potatoes, there's one thing in particular I want to talk about, and that's your headshot. Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this headshot was taken in 1990. What? <laughs> Actually, that headshot's about six years old. Well, you have aged oh, beautifully, my friend. Uh, the thing about that picture was they were doing some new headshots for us, and the photographer came down and wanted to find an iconic place in Corvallis, and the iconic place is the courthouse. Uh-huh. And in order to shoot that picture and have the courthouse behind me, we were in the alley between <laughs> U.S. Bank and a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and the smell like the of that alley still sticks with me. So I look Money at that and, and shame. it kind of transports me back. Mm-hmm. The, got the smell of we'll money. We'll be sure to add it bank. onto our Instagram account <laughs> there so you go. can see the picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's fabulous. That's exactly what Van wants. <laughs> what's the one rule in, of truth in lending? Since this is our first guest, I think we should let our guests know what that one yeah, rule is. Yeah. It's not don't talk about truth in lending because we want to talk about yes. it. <laughs> yes. But no shameless self-promotion. That's right. So Fair. you have to commit to this. <laughs> That's how we manage to get along so yes. well working it's in for our competitors. Safe space. Yes. No shameless self promotion. Nope. And now we've got a third lender in here, so we don't really get to shameless self promote ourselves. Nope. But we get to talk about the things in the industry that are driving us, and uh, maybe some that are driving us mad, like <laughs> the last couple of days. Yep. Um, have been driving us to drink. 
driving us to drink, <laughs> drinking us to drive. Actually, it's encouraging me to get my counseling license so yes. I can be more effective counselor for people as we talk about things that are changing. Well, you are basically a part-time counselor if you're a loan officer exactly. these days. Really, in the last few years, yeah. we've been we've all been been that. You know, um, one of the things that you taught me, and for those listeners that don't know, Van's been a mentor of mine for many years since I started getting into originations uh, seven years ago. And uh, you always talked about those three things. And I'll never forget, I was, I was working for a different company about five or six years ago, and I asked you what those three things are. Do you remember what they are? If it's going to be the three things, price, quality, service is the thing I always talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And? You can pick two. <laughs> you don't get all three? You can't have all three. That's so perfect. I want the best rate, the best service, and the best variety of products. Right. Pick two. Yep. That's so perfect. Yeah. Because it, it is. You, it, can't, you can't get all three. I can't tell you how many times I've used that line now because I've stolen it. And, you know, especially Did for... Did you copyright it? <laughs> no, I should have. I guess. <laughs> That's why we had you on and the you show. You. We've got the paperwork going. I'll sign it later. <laughs> to be fair, it's not mine anyway. It came from an industry I was in a long time ago that was very service oriented. Mm-hmm. Deli- it was a delivery company and it was really something that was a constant conversation in the industry. So you mean to tell me that you haven't been in mortgages your entire career? <laughs> no. Is he really the father of lending? I don't know that you are. <laughs> no. I'm highly disappointed everything. in you. Might be the uncle of lending, but certainly not the father. <laughs> the well, uncle. The fun uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Better <laughs> like than the it, drunkle. Like That's just true. Yeah. Better than the drunkle. Well, Van, um, cat, uh, Caddy, Katie has baked up some or nice Kathleen, patty. but not Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Caddy has baked up some patty cake questions for you. Cool. Um, that we're all just dying to know what yeah. it's like lending in a college town. Yep. So it seems like you've been focused on investors as clients. So what led you to this clientele? Well, that's how I started in the industry. Let's go back to 2004 and Van needed a new job. And <laughs> I have everybody in my family has been a real estate agent and I just didn't see that as a good fit for myself. So they probably warned you against it. Oh yeah. That's better than saying you didn't want to sink that low. If you sit in, if you sit in open houses as a, as a child, it scars you. Right. So you want to avoid those. It's as boring as it is Mm -hmm. as an adult. Um, So uh, the investor stuff, 2004, that's when we were still in the no doc ninja loans and those kinds of things. And I had a pool of individuals that were doing investment property purchases, large down payments, great scores. And it kind of just went from there. So you're not the king of the option arm is what you're saying, right? (laughs) Option arms were great if they were used correctly. That's right. Right. Can't use a hammer as a screwdriver and vice versa. Option arm to me. Oh, option arms were uh, one of the greatest things. World savings, I think was the original uh, start of those. And, a borrower had an option of four different payments, a 30-year amortized payment, a 15-year uh, uh, interest-only, interest and a 1% of the balance payment. And they mm-hmm. were called NAGAM loans. And so if you were running on these minimum payments, once your balance got to 125% of original, they'd reset your payments. Mm. Great. They were great for investors. I had a yeah. pool of investors that used them on multiplexes. And when they had renters out, they would go back to 30-year payments. And when they ah, had so renters in. adjust it at any time between right? the, was it always 30-year terms? 
thirties, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and wow. they were and they were fixed too. And I had one guy who's finally paid off his option arms a couple of years ago. Wow. Wells Fargo had pitched him for a decade to try to refinance. And he said, Why would I refinance out of a one and a half percent interest rate? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for calling. So how did you know that he targets investors? Are you research. stalking him? I did my research. I said director's mortgage, Van Mellick, and that was that is how you advertise yourself, which I think is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and it also helps with with regular you know owner occupant homebuyers too. I mean, right. it gives you gives you an opportunity to really kind of assess the situation for them and and speak a little more intelligently about what they're trying to do from an investing standpoint. I love that. And to not be the cookie cutter loan officer stalker. that's just looking for right. the next commission or the next transaction, being able to offer people that vision for wealth, right? Right. Full yeah. picture. Good. Glad I could put those words in There's your mouth. There's a service piece, right? Right. <laughs> so so which one are you giving up? All right. So what led <laughs> you to Corvallis then? It was an accident. Um, <laughs> really, I had been working for an aerial photography company and the gentleman that owned the company, the third owner, uh, died in a helicopter crash. Company closes. Needed a job. And so applied for one in the Oregonian, good old want ads. This will give you a. This 19, was back when newspapers were a thing, children. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did a job interview with this, this headhunter in downtown Portland named Larry, who was one of those guys that would light a cigarette with his last one. Ah. And it was for a company that was kind of like the Aramarks and the American Linens of the world, right? The laundry service stuff. And he says, This is a dirty job. But it was union. So I'm like, I needed a big boy job. So off I go to Corvallis. And that was 1990. And I never left. Were you a Ducks fan before or after moving to Corvallis? University of Oregon, 1989. <laughs> wow. I feel like you had that rehearsed. As you can imagine, I get asked that a lot in Corvallis. I believe it. I yeah, like were you drunk when you showed up? For those of you that aren't from Oregon, uh, the state is a bunch of platypuses, but you can't oh be boy. a platypus. You either have to be a duck or a beaver. Pick one. <laughs> Oregon I'm State a, or University of Oregon. I, You know what? I will wear both colors proudly. So you are a platypus. <laughs> Until... They play each other when then they play each other. It's always I always got to root for the beeves. Orange gives me a rash. I can't do it. I just can't That's do so it. funny. My boyfriend's the same way. University of Oregon alumni, and he says absolutely will not wear orange. <laughs> right. So uh, Katie's next question. Um, I have a, a last minute edit, so I'm going to let you go for the question, and then I was handed an urgent bulletin with a last minute edit. Okay. So please do okay. go. So. Uh, my business has been a lot of first-time home buyers. So in a college town, I was curious how often students look to purchase a new home. Uh, it's the parents. Mm -hmm. um, most often what we find is, is that the parents can come in and buy them as owner-occupied homes as long as the kid's an occupant borrower. Right. There is a, there is a program for that. There yep. is. And it works great. And that's primarily what a lot of folks do, especially with the way rents have increased in town over the years. It makes total sense for a parent and a child to jump into a house together. Mm -hmm. Kid can live there. They can rent the extra rooms out. So it's usually the parents that come to you. It's not the, the kids that are curious. Right. Okay. Right. So you basically kind of answered the little edit on the, on the question here, but... The kids, are they being on the loan too? Are you counseling them for their oh, future yes. financial oh, yes. success yeah. as well? And you know, and the key there is they've got to have credit. Right. They don't have to have income because the parents can float that whole boat by themselves, right? And so, ideally. But we, ideally. <laughs> but we still talk to the kids 
because it's their house. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're taking a step into home ownership, even though they're riding in on mom and dad's coattails. It's kind of a sweet spot, yeah. too, because they Grow probably don't have the auto loans and the, <laughs> right. all the debt accrued yet. They don't have the student loans that are going to straddle them later on. Do you see... Sorry, now I'm adding in another one. Yeah, do please. But I, I grew up... Or I went to college in Monmouth, so I know the area. Do you see a lot of renovation loans as an option, too? No, not really. Interesting, because no. I feel like a lot of those homes need some upkeep. Well, you know, you're renting to college kids. They don't care. Slap yeah. a coat of paint on it. and Yep. I also went to college in Monmouth. Have we talked about this before? Well, you guys cops? Me. I, yeah. think we, I think we did talk <laughs> about this before. I have a criminal justice major, yeah. I partied <laughs> in Corvallis. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Western Oregon for one year, and it we was a dry town. Yep. And I, I partied in Corvallis. I drove 20, 22 miles to go party there. We used to come to Corvallis. In, when I was in college, most of my friends went to Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Southern Oregon. They were mostly ag and engineering students. I yeah. was the outlier. Went to U- Eugene. We'd go to Corvallis because that's the know, town. Yeah, it was the place. Didn't you bring some <laughs> local stats with you? I did. Would you like to share those? Would with you us? like some? I would absolutely like to hear. So I'll do. Uh, is it okay if I do a shameless plug for where the info is coming from? Gosh, that's dang fine. It. We have okay. to we have to come up with a penalty though. No, you can always plug where the info is coming from. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Cool. So I've got a couple of things. Uh, Town of Country Realty. This is coming from their Instagram page, and what they do is they post uh, median prices and available inventory on a week to week basis. And it's been kind of interesting to look at this. Uh, this last week, Corvallis median sales price five ninety. Uh, 282 bucks a square foot mm-hmm. and percent of list price received 104%. Wow. And active inventory is about mm, 15 minutes. <laughs> and that was as of what, May? That is as of June 4th. So May's statistics probably. Yeah, they go week to week. Um, so oh, being, wow. in a coll- being in a wow. college town, uh, just listening to those statistics, do you feel that you're somewhat insulated from say, you know, a another metropolis area or oh yeah metropolitan oh area. yeah you go back to the crash and right. you yeah, were still were, doing well oh yeah there were there were price reductions for mm-hmm. sure and i've told people that i think that was the upper end at that point the jumbo space that mm-hmm. broke first right and there weren't a lot of houses that were in that in that price range but there were some and i think that had the bigger impact on price reductions you go across the river to Leb, uh, albany and lebanon and you were seeing double-digit decreases in values hmm. and, and a much higher percentage of foreclosures and those kinds of things. So we're definitely, we've got restricted growth. Um, people want to live there. How many Division One universities are in a city of 60,000 people in this country? Not very many. Do you then track, because you've been doing this for how many years in, that, in Corvallis? Uh, 18. Do you track uh, enrollment and how much that impacts kind of... No, I've never really looked at it. I'm, we know that Oregon State's enrollment has gone through the roof over the last 15 years, mm. and it's just kind of been the the way that it's it's sorted out. They've really made a push on enrollment. Um, it's a lot of professional is mm. what you see. I mean, Good Sam um, and those kinds of places are big employers in the area. Hewlett Packard, not so much so anymore, but um, you've got some. You got some pretty big industries for the size of the community that we sit in that really kind of, and I think that's what really drives the pricing is you've got these incomes that are Mm -hmm. relatively high compared to Lynn County. Sure. Yeah. Corvallis is kind of that little niche. I was going to say, because Monmouth, Western Oregon are Mm -hmm. my 
what is it called? Alma Mater. Alma Mater. Alma Mater. Yeah. Joey Marbles in the mouth. But their enrollment has just continued to decrease. And so that's been, you know, really hard to see and what to expect for what universities in the smaller scale are going to go through. I think especially with student loans being... That's weird. Crippling. Enrollment's going down at Western Oregon, and yet they now allow them to sell beer in Monmouth. Yeah, what? I don't understand. <laughs> two and two go together, man. I know. You know, it's weird. The income piece for uh, Benton County, I think Benton County is the first or second highest income cap for USDA in the state of Oregon. That is true. Wow. That is you know, true. They want you to be poor and live in the country. Well, that's $95,000 a year in Benton County. The, the area median income is one of the highest in the state. Jeez. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so off of work, what do you like to do for fun? Yeah. All work and no play makes Van a dull boy. All work and no play makes Van a dull boy. Um, travel. And I've also become a little bit obsessed with um, container gardening, gardening at my house just because vegetables never live. Container gardening. Yeah. So I've got a... You know, I've got a nice little pot garden, not that kind In, of pot. Inside your home? Outside. Oh, outside, <clears throat> container, like yeah. a raised bed garden? No, like, uh, you know, ceramic pots. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm going to have to fi- file where, a SAR Where did you this. last travel to? Last trip was London and Paris. Ah. And we're going back to Italy in July for my birthday. Oh, good. We're going to go to two 35? weeks. <laughs> yeah, 35. Going to Lake, Lake Como for two weeks. Oh, going to so go fun. knock on George Clooney's front door. He's going to go meet I mean. the godfather of lending. There you go. <laughs> That's god. exactly the right. The father meets the godfather. <clears throat> Do you think it's been a pretty good career? Oh, gosh, yeah. It's so, I mean, it's such a blessing. I mean, really, the I go back to the conversation that I had with the guy that got me into the industry. He was my loan officer for the house I bought in Corvallis. Showed up one day and I said, hey, James, I go, what's it look like? what you do for a living and he goes come have a beer and six weeks later i'm doing this for a living and it's been great i mean really truly um it's it's challenging i mean you the variety of people that you get meet this industry is can't be beat Mm -hmm. this is true what's uh what's your bold prediction for the next 12 months and say five years recession in a bit i think that some of the predictions are a little overblown i think there's i think some of it it's a little panicky because nobody really knows but i'm panicking (laughs) once you've been once you've been through a couple of dips and those kinds of things you kind of i kind of look at them and go ah been here before we know how to ride it out i mean be consistent with your business practices and stay in touch with your with your clientele and your referral sources and everything will sort out. What do you think has been your biggest struggle in the last 18 years? Well, losing the ninja loans was a big bummer. So, <laughs> you know. You're still sore about that? Yeah. I think that they're still I think they're still a valid product for the right kind of borrower. For the I right really people. do. Yeah. yeah. You put 35% down, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, and there right. there are there are certain programs that still allow for some, you know, like a DSCR loan, for yeah. instance. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got thirty thirty five percent down you all know, day long, I all think day those long. are I think those are very legitimate and very reasonable programs for those kinds of folks. I really do. And that was what two thousand nine that that was removed or so. Yeah, seven eight nine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, final question for you is actually a question for us. Let's uh, let's turn around. Do you have any questions for oh, us? Oh man. So the, you know we're what are we 135 miles apart? Mm-hmm. Right. You guys are in a completely different market from me. Mm. And it's always been fascinating to watch what happens over here in relation to how quickly things values and things change here. And it almost looks like you guys are California. <laughs> the way that it behaves sometimes. We're just a little bit more sensitive and volatile. I, I, <laughs> Reactionary. Right? So the question I have for you that is... sounds is negative. Be, because we are going to be coming into uh, a declining market, right. right? And so the question that I would have for you guys is how are you preparing for it? Uh, right? Katie, why don't you go first? <clears throat> Man, I think it goes back to just what you were saying, right? Building your relationships, focusing on the client, uh, doing the best that you can do for the people that you have, and that will bring positive rewards. It's such a robot answer. <laughs> no. You want to know what I'm doing? I am panicking. I am setting my hair on fire. I'm selling everything oh, I own, no. and I'm running for the hills. <laughs> I'm out. Just don't look at your 401k or your retirement statements right now. I can't That's help it. No. I don't know how to delete the app from my phone. It's a real problem. That's I know funny. how to open it, but yeah. not how to delete it. No, I, 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 think, I think there is some merit in what you said, mm-hmm. and I think just preparing... Um, saving, mm-hmm. saving money. I mean, the last two years have been so good and so kind yeah. to us. And it was just literally, you know, my, when people ask me what I did for a living, I tell them I print money because <laughs> it was like printing money for the last couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been on the processing and I've been on the ops side of things when things got bad. And oftentimes I was just without a, without a job. I think in sales now I have a little bit more control over my destiny. So keeping my head down, not panicking, not setting my hair on fire, not screaming. Well, I do scream a little bit still. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I think really just try to keep my wits about me and understand that, you know, if I'm used to doing 20 units that I need to be happy doing eight mm-hmm. because that's about where it's going. You know, the thing, too, is when you're talking to clients, we know so much more than your average everyday Joe on the street. Right. They, they're going to do their own research, and they're going to go onto the Internet, and they're going to hear a lot of things, and family's going to tell them stuff. And we're the ones that swim in the pool every day. Mm-hmm. And I think that our the biggest thing that we can do to calm people is just to be reasonable and rational, talk to them about the practicality of the situation, not let them buy into some of the hype or the panic or the panic. Yeah. Right. And go back to being basically stodgy banker types that just say, "Mm, this is how it is. And this is how we react to the situation now. And don't try to think too far ahead because then you get into this vicious circle of what ifs and you get stuck. Yeah, I think we've done a really good job of touching on a lot of different programs and options and trying to just be educated more Mm -hmm. so that you can have those conversations. And I always say, all the good information in my head does nothing unless I have the conversation with people. So just continuing to get out. Yeah. Van, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, This is a blast. Please stick around for the next couple of segments if you like. Sure, absolutely. Uh, We've got got something actually that uh, both you and Katie can talk about in her corner, which is next. Cool. And now, Kathleen's Corner. Kathleen. <laughs> Katie's <you>. Bake Shop. <laughs> All right. So last week I talked about um, what differences you can do on mortgage insurance when the loan is coming in to help lower the mortgage payment. 
Uh, and today we're going to talk about how you can remove mortgage insurance. So a little bit on the back end of it. So typical, um, our favorite as mortgage loan officers is to refinance, which is still an option for FHA loans uh, that aren't going to be able to remove the mortgage insurance at, at a certain point in the loan. Um, but other than that, refinancing is kind of losing its appeal in the interest rate market that we're in because you're not seeing that benefit from removing mortgage insurance and getting a lower rate. So how do we remove mortgage insurance? We just rip it off like a Band-Aid? Like a Band-Aid. Like a Band-Aid. Just rip it off. I'm done paying <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So the, I'm done paying it. The two options are, okay. are uh, these are specific to just conventional loans. So when the balance is at or below 78%, it's going to automatically fall off. So that's what we're always advertised for that you know is going to happen. Of the to original you. value. Of the original value. Gotcha. It will automatically fall off. If you want to pay a large principal balance, it will come down to that 78%. It will automatically fall off. At 80%, you can actually request it. So 80% of the original value, you can request it. So if you pay your principal down to the nose on that 80%, you can send a request to the servicer and have it yeah. removed. We had a lot of people in the last couple of years put 5% or less down with the appreciations we've seen in the market. They're now kind of at that 20% equity yeah, position. Appreciation is the big difference there. So yeah. as we've seen the house prices continue to rise, maybe the current value, you're below 80%, um, but it's not going to automatically fall off. So you actually have to make that request. So this is where my story comes in um, on the process of making that request. I really wanted to go through that and see. And so I had looked up all of my instructions so that I can instruct any of my clients and um, we're serviced with Loan Depot and we um, require a written request to the mortgage insurance servicer and to the servicer that they send to the mortgage insurance company. And the mortgage insurance company came back and I had only had the home for one year, which pretty crazy. I, I put 5% down and we are already over that 80% tier easily. Um, but it was less than 24 months. So I was declined from my request until I meet that two-year requirement. Um, but typically... In my experience, you can order an appraisal, but the mortgage Decline. insurance or the servicer company has to order the appraisal for you. So don't don't pay out of pocket for your own appraisal and then ask to make that. So request. you didn't just refinance? I didn't just refinance. I oh, had a pretty good. I rate. know a great loan officer that could refinance you. <laughs> uh, oh, myself. <laughs> oh shoot! You can't do your own loans. <laughs> That's right. All right, but Van had another story we were chatting about before before the show, so. So I have a question for you real quickly. Mm -hmm. Did you ask them if you could just pay the next 12 months in advance of mortgage insurance and be out of it? Oh, interesting. No. Just a thought. No, I didn't. Yeah, I would I would be maybe I should try this again so that I can go through the do dummy, the, do dummy do what trial. I call, do what I call the gosh golly gee whiz conversation and just say, "Hey, what about this?" and see what pops up. Yeah. All right. Cuz if MI is not too terribly expensive, you can afford to write the check. Yeah make it go away and now you're off and running so my own personal experience uh my servicer is wells and um i'd done the same thing five percent down i was outside of the two years mm -hmm. and i had not approached the mortgage insurance company i went straight to wells and said how do i get rid of mortgage insurance and they sent me two letters in the mail one said give us 500 bucks and we'll send an appraiser out or send us and the other letter said send us 200 bucks and we'll send an agent out to do a bpo being the cheapskate that I am, I said, 200 bucks sounds great. <laughs> Agent was out within a week to 10 days or so, and the mortgage insurance was off my monthly payment the following month. 
That's impressive. Can you explain to what our, to our listeners what a is a BPO similar to like a, a CMA or, or it's a broker price opinion is is gotcha. a BPO and they're very similar to an appraisal mm-hmm. not done by an appraiser but done by a, by a licensed real estate agent and my understanding that BPOs still look at uh, non sold comps. They look, gotcha. at, they look at sold comps like appraisers do, but they also include some non-solds as well. Just kind of like the market uh, market support document we get in an appraisal. Anyway, from you know, the market conditions. Joey, right. what's the difference between a CMA and a BPO? Ooh. A CMA is um, something that you would give to a seller. Gotcha. Uh, to determine, help determine the price of their home. Okay. The value of their home. Gotcha. And a BPO is, how is a BPO different, Joey? A BPO is different because they are using unsold properties in their uh, data collection. Okay. <clears throat> that makes so much sense. Hmm. Really good stuff today. Awesome. That's the end of my corner. Yeah. Kathleen's cool. Corner wrapped up. Kathleen's Corner wrapped up. It's a full name Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and now for the random room. I did not bring as much intelligent material to talk about. I really just you rarely do. I, I really <laughs> just wanted to just wow. I really just wanted to bring stuff so I could just kind of whine from my little molehill. Um, I am tired of gas prices. Okay, I am tired of gas prices. I'm sitting in a room of five, and forty percent of the people in here have an electric vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> go figure. They're probably not tired of gas prices. Um, you know, I drive a vehicle that ha- that takes diesel, and diesel in our neck of the woods is running six fifty a gallon. That's crazy. It just diesel makes me has nauseous. generally been cheaper. Yeah, it's a byproduct. It yeah. should be cheaper because it is a byproduct. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Go figure. Um, you know, it's not just the gas prices that are making me cranky. It's the prices for everything. So when you increase the price of fuel, you know, if you were, if you were listening last week and you heard about the hike that I want to go on, with all that beautiful, beautiful open land that's not being used now, um, it's the prices for everything else. So the prices for vegetables, any, anything that has to be driven or delivered somewhere. So we're not just talking the price of gas for the consumer, but also the price for airplane fuel or -hmm. jet fuel, right? The price for these big giant diesel uh, tankers and these, uh, you know, railway cars, everything's getting more expensive. That's what has me cranky. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Yeah. Buy an electric vehicle. Again, uh, the IRS did make a big mid-season move to uh, uh, to allow for a bigger millage write-off or mileage write-off, if you will. Um, so people will be able to take advantage of that on their 2022 taxes. Very kind of them. However, they did not bring back 2106 expenses. Nope. What's, what's 2106? So 2106 expenses as loan officers, we used to be able to write off some of our own marketing, um, other job related expenses. Mm-hmm. If we're driving to and from a, a signing or if there's, you know, home inspection or mm-hmm. things that we, that we use to do our jobs, right? If I buy my own pencils and my own paper, the things that you could write off if you were self-employed. However, um, with so many changes over, 
over the last 15 years, um, 2106 expenses went away in, I want to say, 2017 or 2018. Yeah, that was a de facto tax increase for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Because you lost that ability to write that stuff off, which are legitimate expenses. I mean, they are, and they can get expensive. I could, if I could give you a dollar number of the amount that I spend on marketing, it would probably make you shudder. And I don't get to write that stuff off. So that's the stuff that's really ticking, irking my potato. Um, How do you like your Tesla? Three years and four months, about fifty-six thousand miles. I can still drive about 260-ish miles for $7 if I charge at home, which is not bad. That's um, not bad at I all. I came into town and charged at the supercharger here in Bend. Uh, it's about three times the cost now. So instead of about $0.11 cents a kilowatt hour, it's about $0.33, cents, it looks like. So huh. the fill-up that I did here this morning was about 19 bucks. Wow. I know. Still, and but, you know, but I, three I think times more expensive than it would have been. Three times more expensive right. than that's my pretty, house. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and so Tesla's more. stock is rising as we're having this conversation. By the way, <laughs> yeah. I'm watching it. Yeah. You know what else? <clears throat> uh, what? Motorcycle sales have increased. Motorcycle costs are increasing too. So I ride my bike, and uh, I guess I, you know, looking at getting a new one potentially. My boyfriend's like, "Well, they're up like three thousand dollars more than typical." You ride a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding nice. me? What kind of motorcycle do you have, Katie? A Suzuki 500. It's a 93, and it's teal with pink nice. handlebars. <laughs> I have a ski jacket from 1994 that would go with that bike. Yeah. And that's the I'm, random room. I have room. a friend with a, a motorbike, or um, sorry, a motorboat, and it's teal and pink, too. It's a classic. They're not colors. called motorboats. <laughs> Thank you, Katie, for that. <laughs> And now for the truth and lending mortgage news. <laughs> uh, this is going to be really fun. It is, you know, it, it's been the kind of market where the, the last few days you just sort of have to laugh. Um, if you're not going to jump out of a window, you, you might, yeah. you might as well laugh. <laughs> uh, Matthew Graham of Mortgage News Daily writes that 2022 is already the worst year for rates since 1979. It began as just another reasonably bad week, bad week with rates moving moderately higher, but still safely under the recent 13-year high seen on the morning of, month, of May 9th. But it ended with one of the worst days on record in more than a decade. Uh, the average lender increased 30-year fixed rates by at least a quarter of a point up. 0.25 percent um, that's only happened four other times since daily record keeping began in 2009 when the smoke cleared and we're talking about friday we're not talking about what happened on monday this <laughs> this article was written uh on friday afternoon when the smoke cleared the average conforming 30-year fixed rate was as high as it's been since november of 2008 and we've gone even higher we just blasted right through that we line, blasted right we? past through there uh, realtor.com says the u.s housing market is at the beginning stages of the most significant contraction in activity since 2006 we were talking earlier and van you had a really good point to make of don't panic this is one of those things that i read when i read this article it makes me panic how do mm-hmm. i not panic when i read something like this take it in stride it's a temporary we may end up in another channel and rates for the time being, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're in 2008, that was just before the crash. And here we are just about equal to that. And nobody minded. Do you know who else is really optimistic? Lynn Kiefer, deputy chief economist at Freddie Mac says, 
I don't think that home sales are going to grind to a complete halt. They'll just slow. People will still be able to sell homes, but it may take you just a little bit longer than what it's been. When we look at data from three years ago, so we're talking 2019, mm. if we go on just national data, right? National data, we had two and a half, three months of in inventory. Things were sitting on average 45 to 60 days, and it was a healthy market. People were buying and selling homes. You know, rates were probably averaging somewhere in the mid 4% at that time for a conventional 30 year fixed. And here we are trying, I mean, I'm speaking for me, <laughs> trying not to flip out when I'm seeing all of a sudden now things are staying on the market for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And maybe we have 30 days of inventory. Dan doesn't understand what that what that market's like. Right. He's at 15 here. minutes. Uh, the ECB <laughs> announced a significant rate hike, w rate hike will come in July, although I think that's going to be sort of some late news on what's going to happen with the uh, my bull prediction yeah. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, 0.75 tomorrow. I wrote this on uh, I wrote this over the weekend and of course everyone who is smarter and has degrees and better bigger shows and columns than I do all said that they expect a, a 75 basis point rate hike which I'm just going to say I wrote that down before I read it because oh, I expect expert. that to happen. Uh, CoreLogic announced, uh, this is also a, a bit of good news, announced that uh, only 1.1 million homeowners are in a negative equity position in mm -hmm. quarter one of 2022, which is actually an improvement year over year from quarter one of 2021, where it was at 1.4 million, where people were at negative equity. So people using 100% financing or very low, uh, low percentage down payment, maybe they overpaid right. slightly, negative equity position. So that's mm -hmm. actually really, really healthy. Yeah. Let's talk. Positive. Let's talk about average rates. Okay. So average rates is re we recorded last week's show on June 8th for a 30 year fixed conventional Get ready, everyone. mortgage was five and a half percent. And today I actually, um, I had to update this and I think it's gotten worse since then, but now we're uh, a 30 year fixed is averaging 6.18%. Uh, Jumbo and FHA have also made very big, very big jumps. FHA for the 30 year has jumped 90 one basis points in a week less than a week actually mm -hmm. 91 basis points so where last week we were the average uh, average rate for 30-year fha across the nation was 4.84 percent today it's 5.75 percent isn't that lovely uh jumbo's also gotten on the action with a 30 basis point increase mm -hmm. across the board and we'll probably see that uh we'll also probably see that worsen a little bit you know, I think this might sound a little odd, but I think there's a blessing in the increase in rates is it's going to give some relief to the buyers that are out there that have constantly lost out on offers. But there's finally going to be an opportunity that, for them to take a little bit of a pause and maybe not feel like they've got to pay 35% over. You're such you a are. glass half full guy. <laughs> You're also one month behind us, aren't you? <laughs> In Corvallis over there. Because <laughs> we saw that change happen probably about a month, month and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. Kind of all of a sudden buyers. I was like earlier when that. I was saying it's like yeah. you guys are just a little bit ahead, mm -hmm. right? And just a little bit different. Yeah. You will see it. You make we'll me feel it. so safe and secure, Van. Yeah. I'm really glad that you came on the show. It's like, like a, a warm, warm fuzzy blanket, Aww. right? You are like a warm <laughs> hug. And this has been a great show. This has been a great show. I'm glad that you made the trip over. Uh, questions or comments about the show, or if you have any borrow or horror stories you want to share, please be sure to email us at truthandlendingpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to have Kent Newman from Canopy Mortgage on. Every lender needs the their legend. own lender. Yes, the, the <laughs> myth, the, the man, man, the legend. legend. 
Kent Newman will be on next week. So awesome! No errors from last week. I don't last know week. that. I don't know that we actually know if we have any errors or not. <laughs> Email us truthandlibertypodcast@gmail.com. Any errors, corrections? Yeah, Van. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for Thank having so me. I really fan. appreciate it. It's been great. <laughs>